0: Minus four, three, two, one, zero. Now there's a backseat lover that's always undercover, and I talked to my daddy, say, said, You ain't seen nothing till you're down on the muffin, and there's sure to be a change in ways. Now there's a cheerleader that's a real big pleaser. As far as I can reminisce. But the best thing love it was a sister and a cousin. And it started with a little kiss. Like this. Welcome to the Intergalactic Boombox. Let's get cracking. Did you hear about the uh, chicken nugget? Uh, shaped like an Among Us character. That was on eBay this past week. The uh, bid was around $35,000. It was in a meal to promote the K-pop band BTS. Insert sus joke here. And uh, oh, I see a light and that means a phone call. Let's go to the phone lines east of the Rockies. You're on the air. This is all part of the alien globalist agenda. That is my chicken nugget. Is this Ken? That's right, sir. Conspiracy. Kenspiracy. That that that's a clever name, man. I have you know, I ordered 5 20-piece chicken nuggets and was missing one. Talk about sauce. Wait, don't you mean sauce, like Szechuan or barbecue? I'll do you one better, too. Not only is that chicken nugget shaped like a crew member from Among Us, Uh I submit to you that it's actually a deep-fried alien that (laughs) got a little too close to the fryer. So let me get this straight, Ken. The chicken nugget shaped like the Among Us character that people are bidding thousands of dollars on on eBay isn't a chicken nugget at all, but is an alien. Uh... Dude, you know whatever they put in fast food is not of this earth. Okay, conspiracy. There is no conspiracy about aliens, okay? They exist. And two of them happen to be on this spaceship right now. Gits and Shiggles. Hey, guys. You don't soon. We're totally real. Yeah. It's space. <laughs> no one can hear you scream. Uh-huh. Let me put that to the chest. Ah! Can you hear me? No. Oh, yeah, right. Those aren't aliens. Just a couple of brain-dead morons. Oh, you already said, bo at Hey, hey, let's just take this to the real battlefield. eBay, dude. I'm gonna outbid you, and I'm gonna have a chiggy nugget. Oh, a bidding war. Ha, oh, ha, ha. We'll see about that, mister. Uh, guys, guys, the, the auction's over, okay? Go hug it out or something. It's hard to believe that the Alien franchise has been in existence since 1979. And uh, amongst all these films, there's actually more downs than ups. But the Disney-acquired Fox still has plans, including a rumored TV series. I think a TV series would be a good way to go, actually, since we're like a streaming, binging culture now. I love the Snyder Cut. Maybe as a movie it's too long, but it's a perfect length as a Netflix series. And I think that whole thing is a successful business model that all studios should be eyeing. Theaters are opening back up, but for how long? Who knows if or when the pandemic will come back. And movie links can feel constricted depending on the source material, whereas miniseries or full-on series give the characters and storylines time to breathe. So which of the Alien movies is the most underrated Well, let's go back to 1979. Alien, of course, the original, started it all. It happens to be one of my all-time favorite movies. Ridley Scott directs a top-notch cast with a a cold, sterile, and effective uh, documentary approach. And, of course, H.R. Giger, the Swiss surrealist artist, created the thing of nightmares, one of the most iconic characters in cinema history, the Xenomorph. And this is all way before CG you were restricted to a man in a costume, but you got the perfect thing kind of like in Jaws, where less is more. And so with some expert editing and, and everything, you build the tension up instead of what a lot of movies do is just show off their effects real. Uh, fleeting glimpses instill far more fright than lingering shots. Leave it to James Cameron, hot off the success of the original Terminator back in 84 to take a crack at a sequel which was long greenlit But uh, it lumbered in production hell for years after the box office numbers were huge for the original Alien movie. Cameron transformed the haunted house aesthetic into a full-on action movie, making the Ripley character an even bigger hero. And I love that there were only six xenomorph suits produced in that film. And through editing, it looks like there was a whole army of them, like hundreds and hundreds. And Cameron even uh, designed the Queen. Which was really, really cool because he's got an art background. Now, Alien 3 is probably the most controversial entry, given all the production nightmares, multiple scripts, combining weird ideas about like monks in space and like a wooden space arc or something. But it's like this visually impressive debut from David Fincher, who has... Quite a collection of well-respected movies. Fight Club, Seven, Mank. The Netflix movie just got a lot of acclaim. He's done Zodiac Killer. He's executive producer on Love, Death, and Robots, a series that I reviewed recently. And he has disowned Alien 3 ever since it first came out in 1993. I have to say Alien 3 is actually my second favorite sequel. The most underrated, I believe. It's got a really non-Hollywood approach which turned off a lot of fans and critics. They felt betrayed because it basically undermined the ending of Aliens. And after the roller coaster ride that was Aliens, Alien 3 can easily be seen as kind of tone deaf. It is dark and depressing, but I love that stuff. It, it, it Now, CG was in full effect by then, and it was pretty bad. It's got a downer ending. It seemed to seal the series fate after critics skewered it and the fans ran away in droves. And even though David Fincher wanted nothing to do with it, instead of a director's cut, what Fox did was put together an assembly cut that flushed things out. And it's actually a much better movie. If you've only seen the theatrical cut, I say give the assembly cut a chance. I say grab the Blu-ray or DVD, give it a spin, see what you think. I think the look of the film stands the test of time. Really, really impressive and immersive atmosphere. Now, since I buried the lead, I'll go ahead and talk about the rest. Alien Resurrection this one's pretty weak even during this period long before joss whedon was canceled he was still popular he said the final movie doesn't even resemble his version of the script and he had aliens versus predator which on paper sounds amazing right two of these great alien franchises coming together they went full-on camp it's just all sorts of wrong and then fast forward years later ridley scott comes back with prometheus And I remember uh, one of my friends, David Eddings, the original voice of Claptrap on Borderlands, told me that he once met Ridley Scott years before Prometheus came out and he said, I've got this prequel idea about the space jockey from the first film and exploring what that race would be. Sounds great, right? And sure enough, Prometheus dropped, looked amazing, great cast and a totally meandering plot that has nothing resembling the xenomorph even in it. That's the benchmark of the whole series. And it's a prequel, but still, man, so much potential squandered. And then finally, Alien Covenant, where they did kind of go back to the xenomorph thing. I think Fox was pressuring Ridley Scott there. It's like, we need to hurry up and get to the point where there's tons of uh, actual xenomorphs in here. So, yeah, you had Alien Covenant combine the horror of the original, the action of the first sequel... And it totally fell flat. There was nothing new. They tried to build a new Ripley type and further explore Michael Fassbender's Android character. It's like, I don't care about this Pinocchio stuff. What's even more sad about the squandered potential is the abandoned Alien 5 movie. Now, instead, we got Prometheus. But imagine this. Neil Blomkamp, the director of District 9 and the upcoming uh, horror film Demonic. This would have been Alien 3, basically. So it kind of retcons that, where you have Ripley... Hicks, and a grown-up Newt. Check the show notes for some links. We've got some amazing concept art on what could have been, and in my eyes, should have been. Hey, guys, there's a really cool new game out called Knockout City. I wish it were called Dodge Brawl, but that would be a copyright battle with an indie developer out of the UK. Or well, maybe Dodge Bomb. That's more accurate, given that, you know, you, you throw these things, and if you don't catch them, you blow up. That's actually a a game too. Anyway, think dodgeball on a much bigger playing field without a net. You have large maps where you and other players hurl balls of different types at other team members that detonate if they don't catch it and vice versa. It's like hot potato. Multiplayer crossplay on all consoles and PCs. This needs to be standard, man. I love that. Uh, It's actually free to play. Until you reach level 25. It started with a free weekend. But uh, it seems to have gone over really really well. So people say. Do you want to pony up the 20 bucks? Now it is uh, it is included if you have EA Play. Or Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Sub. And I think it's totally worth it. Not worth 60. And I'm glad they're not charging 60. And I'm generally not into sports games. Combat sports however. Now you have my attention. Uh, this brings some really fun chaos. That makes it fast paced. Addicting. The design is retro-futuristic, so it looks like 1950s sci-fi. Customizable characters. There's different types of balls that spawn at different points on the maps. And if all else fails, you can actually roll your own character up into a ball that your teammate can then throw at the opponent. Likewise, your teammate can roll up and you can throw them at the opponent. you got to be hit twice to be fully knocked out. In the basic game, the team with 10 knockouts wins. There's new modes and challenges that swap out weekly to keep things interesting. It's easy to pick up, and there's plenty of depth to master. Now, for me, I'm a button masher, so I doubt I will ever master anything. But getting some knockouts is very satisfying. I say, check it out! HBO Max has just added a new tier if you're looking to save a little money. $10 a month instead of $15 for the regular subscription. But here are the compromises. You gotta deal with ads, up to four minutes an hour. No 4K, no downloads for offline viewing, and no day-and-date Warner Brothers theatrical releases. Is that worth it to you to save five bucks a month? Now me, I gotta have the bells and whistles. But it is nice to know that a cheaper option is now available for the mass public. Comments, questions, suggestions... Drop a line in the old email, the intergalactic boombox at gmail.com. Or if you're into the Twitter, at boomboxpod. Check the show notes. There's a tip jar link. And there's also links on how to get set up with uh, newpodcastapps.com to grab a free third party podcast player that plays podcasting 2.0 shows, such as this one with. The chapters and the pictures and the links and the ability to stream Satoshis, which is like the smallest unit of Bitcoin, just like mere fraction of pennies that you could share and donate as you listen. Got all the how to's listed on the show notes. And that's all I got for now. So until next time, goodbye.